Welcome to Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church, and thank you for joining us as we share the good news of Christ's love. We share a rich tradition as a diverse and welcoming congregation. We strive to meet people where they are and join them on their faith journey as we carry out our mission to love God, love neighbor, and change the world. Well, good morning. Welcome to Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. We say a word of greeting to those of you here in the sanctuary on this Labor Day weekend. We are really thankful for your presence in person today. We also say a word of greeting to those who are watching on television and online. We're thankful that you're with us as well. This is our chance in a very special way to recognize what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ and how we can together as the body of Christ celebrate the great joy of following him. So we take this moment now at this holy time and in this holy place to do just that. from Psalm 9. We will give thanks to you, O Lord, with our whole heart. We will tell of all your wonderful deeds. We will be glad and exalt in you. We will sing praises to your name, O
praise to God. Now let us join our voices together in affirming our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Lord, we cry to you to heal our wounds. We call to you in distress and plead for your salvation. We have sinned against your law and failed to do your will. We confess that we've disobeyed your holy word. We pray purge our lives of selfishness and our hearts of bitterness. Lead us back to righteousness and save us through Jesus Christ. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen.
God's holy word. Today we read from Paul's letter to the church at Rome, we know to be the book of Romans. The seventh chapter, beginning with verse 14. Let us hear these holy words. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. This is the word of God for the people of God. Before you're seated, please take a moment to greet each other in the name of Jesus Christ. We certainly say a word of greeting this morning to all of you in the sanctuary. We really are thankful for your presence today. We do say a word of greeting to those watching online and on television. We are grateful that you would choose to be a part of Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church and our worship experience on this Sunday morning. We say a special word of greeting to those in Warren and Blytheville and in Conway, as well as those, of course, in our hospitals and nursing homes across the state of Arkansas. I hope you'll take a moment to the look at the back of your order of service. I want you to notice down in the right hand of the very bottom of your order of service where it says dates to know. This Wednesday evening at, at 6 o'clock in Wesley Hall, we are going to have a night of worship. I will be preaching. We will have great music. It is an opportunity for all of us just to gather together and worship, celebrate our faith as we kick off our fall activities. We will also have cookies from Crumble, which is a new cookie store here in Little Rock. I don't know anything about Crumble, but I know Susan went there the other day to get us some cookies, and the line was so long, we didn't get any cookies. <clears throat> she should have waited in line, but nevertheless... 
where you're going to have a chance to enjoy crumble cookies on Wednesday evening at 6 o'clock. We do hope that you'll come and be a part of this service of worship. It's just a chance to worship together and an opportunity to kick off all the fall uh, events taking place. You will notice the next following Wednesday on September the 14th, we will resume Wednesday night Bible study that I will be teaching, but there will also be a number of small group opportunities. We hope you'll go online to find out all the information you need about the potential opportunities you have before you to be involved in what's taking place. We want Wednesday evening to be a time when we can gather together as the body of Christ and really delve into our faith in a much deeper way than we might be able to at other times during the week. We will also have a meal on Wednesday evening, so we hope you'll sign up for that also. You will see that there are all kinds of things happening in the life of the church. I really do hope you take time to look over all the information that we send you uh, each week. And if you have any information that you want to share with us about how we can do things better, you're more than welcome to do that in a very positive and encouraging way. We would be happy to hear from you about all that's going on in the life of the church. We're thankful you're here today. Let us pray. <clears throat> oh Lord, in the silence of this moment, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day and work your will in our lives. Amen. The ancient Roman poet Ovid said, I see the better things and I approve them, but I follow the worse. The famous author Carl Sandburg said, there is an eagle inside of me that longs to soar and there is a hippopotamus in me that longs to wallow in the mud. The Apostle Paul says, I do not understand what I do. My greatest frustration in life is me. I am a walking contradiction, and so are you. There are times in life when we clearly know right from wrong, good from bad, light from darkness, and we make a conscious decision despite the fact that we know what the consequences might very well be to choose that which can cause pain. Paul says it's a part of our sinful nature. He says there's a war raging within us. And Paul, who is very honest about his own struggles, reminds us that this war is a reality for every human being. There are times in life when we know clearly what we are to do in order to be fully obedient to God's will for our life. And yet we make a conscious decision to choose disobedience. There are times in life when we clearly know the path we are to take that lights the way to be who God would have us to be fully and completely, and yet for whatever reason, we choose to follow darkness. It is a part of the makeup of every human being, this war raging within us. It goes back to the very beginning. You remember the story of Adam and Eve. Everything is laid out for them. They don't have to do anything. All is provided for them. All they have to do is enjoy 
life. But Eve is tempted. And in the process of being tempted, Adam falls prey as well to the tempter. And they do the one thing God says don't do, and that is eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They know right from wrong. The instructions have been very explicit, and Adam and Eve, who represent humanity, you and me, they have chosen instead to be disobedient, to go down the dark path. And as a result, the consequences were severe. You think about David, the writer of many of the psalms that we read, some of the greatest psalms in the Psalter come from King David's hand. And yet King David, the apple of God's eye, the one God has selected to be the leader of the people of Israel, the one who conquered Goliath, King David himself would fall prey to not only adultery, but to be complicit in the murder of another man. He chose his self-interest over his faith. And as a result, created a great deal of pain. You and I can be the same way. You and I, just like the Apostle Paul, can be a walking contradiction. We worship together. We pray. We know specifically what it is God wants us to do. And for some reason, there are times in life when we choose to do whatever we want to do instead that can cause pain and suffering and angst and remorse and regret, and we do it anyway. There is a war within us. Paul says, I do not understand myself. I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. Paul says within us resides sin, this capacity to turn away from God and choose self over God, which is a form of idolatry. And when we commit idolatry, we have to live with the consequences. And sometimes, even knowing the consequences ahead of time, we choose to do wrong. That's the great challenge for all of us. I do not understand myself. I am my greatest frustration. Paul is incredibly honest and self-revealing and transparent to the church at Rome. He even refers to himself as a wretched man. But the person that Paul is is the people we are as well. There are times when we very much relate to what it is Paul is saying. When we are filled with shame and regret and remorse over something we've done that we chose to do specifically. Why are we that way? Why do we have this capacity to choose wrong knowing it's wrong before we even do it? There is a war within us, says Paul. This constant challenge we have, this tension between God's will 
and our free will to do what we want to do. And sometimes, instead of choosing God's will, for whatever reason, we choose our own will. The famous evangelist D.L. Moody said, I've had more trouble with D.L. Moody than any other man I have ever met. That's true for all of us. Our greatest trouble is self. And what Paul does is expose a part of who all of us are. There is a dark side to us. Paul refers to it as sin, as an indwelling presence, as a part of the makeup of who we are. It goes all the way back to the beginning. We can be selfish. We can choose our own way when we clearly know God's way is a better way instead. Why do we do that? Why do we have this capacity sometimes to be the kind of people we know we shouldn't be, and yet we do it anyway? Because we are a people of sin, says Paul. We have within us this capacity, this willingness, even sometimes this desire to be someone other than who we know we should be in relationship with Jesus Christ. Temptation, this is a brilliant statement on my part, is tempting. It is, it smells good, it looks good, it feels good, it tastes good at times. And sometimes, even though we know if we give in to temptation, there is going to be regret, we do it anyway. Because in the moment, all that matters is that moment, and we're not clear-headed enough to think about what might happen that could cause other people pain and even cause ourselves pain. So we have to be the kind of people, says Paul, who recognize that tension and to recognize there is a part of the makeup of every single one of us that is not always healthy and is not always good and sometimes chooses to do that which we know is wrong. Because for whatever reason, Self-interest for us is most important on occasion over God's interest for us. One of the great privileges we have of being a part of the life of the church, I believe, is that when we gather in here, we're all the people who in some way or another are broken and recognize it or we wouldn't be here to begin with. I have people say, listen, the reason I don't go to church is because it's made up of nothing but hypocrites. And I always say, absolutely it is. You're right. But what makes us different and the reason we gather together is that we acknowledge our hypocrisy and recognize our need for a Savior. We cannot save ourselves because there is sin dwelling within us. So we need someone to save us, someone to cleanse us someone to make us whiter than snow, as David says, after he has been caught by the prophet Nathan committing an act of adultery with Bathsheba. Purge me with hyssop. Make me whiter than snow. Cleanse me, God. Haven't we all at one time or another in life said that sometimes over and over again? What makes the church powerful and unique is that we are a people who come in here 
not pure and undefiled, but oftentimes dirty and unclean. That's why we have a prayer of confession on Communion Sunday. God, I've messed up. You know it anyway. I'm just going to gather with a bunch of other people who messed up, and we're going to collectively say, God, give us another chance. Forgive us. We repent. It is a necessary thing for every one of us to recognize within us we have the capacity to be someone other than who God would have us to be. We know that. And sometimes we choose self-interest, and ego gets in the way, and a desire to put self above everyone else and even God can put us in a position sometimes to do that which we wish we hadn't done. Henry Nouwen was a famous Roman Catholic priest and author and speaker who had all kinds of inner struggles in his life. Much of it revealed after he died. Nouwen was very self-conscious. He was the kind of man who was very insecure. He struggled with his sexuality. He struggled with the need to be affirmed all the time. And yet he was wildly popular in huge demand as a speaker, as an author. And this is what he says in his journal that was discovered after he died. He writes, I love Jesus, but I want to hold on to my own independence, even when that independence brings me no real freedom. I love Jesus, but do not want to lose the respect of my professional colleagues, even though their respect does not make me grow spiritually. I love Jesus, but do not want to give up my writing plans, travel plans, and speaking plans, even when these plans are often more to my glory than to the glory of God. Does any of that sound familiar to the rest of us? In some way or another, we can relate to one who could be so self-revealing like the Apostle Paul. The fact of the matter is that we all can be this way. You remember Peter is asked the question by Jesus, who do people say that I am? And Peter emphatically and boldly says, you are the Christ. He gets it right. And it's not long after that, that when they carry Jesus off, they approach Peter. Aren't you the guy that hung out with Jesus? No, not me. I don't, know who, I don't know who Jesus is. Three times he denies knowing who Jesus is because he put his own interests and his own concerns above everything else. On the one hand, he's so faithful, so true, so correct, and so right. And on the other hand, he couldn't care less. Think about Judas, handpicked by Jesus, the treasurer. That meant at some point they trusted him with the money. And Judas then finds out that for 30 pieces of silver, he can give Jesus up to the authorities. He takes the 30 pieces of silver. 
He gives Jesus up. He's filled with remorse and regret, and he gives it back, but they won't take it because they say it's blood money. And he goes off and he hangs himself. This man named Judas, handpicked by Jesus, one of the intimate 12 who were around Jesus, who heard his teaching and listened to his preaching and witnessed miracle after miracle. And yet Judas himself was more concerned about gaining a little extra income than loving and protecting our Lord. That's how it works sometimes. We tend to be that way ourselves. Do you remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? It's found in the book of Acts. In the early days of the church, Ananias and Sapphira, husband and wife, made a pledge to sell a piece of property and give the proceeds of that property to the church. But when they received the money for the sale of the property, they pocket the money. And Peter and the early church find out. And you know what happens to Ananias and Sapphira? Because of their greed, they both die suddenly. These two who were early part of the church, who were faithful, who made a pledge and a commitment and said, we'll do it. And I'm sure in the moment felt that they would do it. Once they sold the property, saw the money, and it became more important than anything or anyone else, and they paid, no pun intended, a hefty price. Timothy Keller said something interesting. He said, here's the gospel. We are more sinful than we ever thought we could be. And we are more loved than we ever hoped we could be. What we see here is that Paul reminds us at the end of his scripture reading that it's okay because it's a war all of us have to battle, but we don't do it alone. Because notice what Paul says at the end, who will rescue us from ourselves? And then he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're never going through life alone. Even when we mess up, we still have a God who loves us. Even when we choose the dark path, we have the light of the world who remains true to us. Even when we sin blatantly, we have one who was willing to take upon himself all of the sin of all of humanity for all of time and die to that sin so that it is no longer ours. That's what Paul says. He is honest and truthful. I have a war raging within me, and I do not do what I want to do. I do the very thing I hate. Who can rescue me from all of this? Oh, yes, Jesus Christ the Lord can. I love the fact that in all of this, we're not left by Paul wondering, where do we go from here? Paul gives us the direction. He give us, gives us the hope. It is found in Jesus Christ himself, our Lord. 
He is the one who can rescue us from ourselves. And that's why we gather together as the church to remind ourselves of that. We don't have to wallow in all of this. We don't have to live with our past failures and mistakes. We can find within us this capacity to experience the grace of God and move on. Repentance triggers grace. When we acknowledge our sin and our failures and our shortcomings and our mistakes, suddenly grace appears in the form of a relationship with Jesus Christ, which gives us another chance to move beyond the mistakes and try and be better the next time, knowing full well we have the capacity to choose the wrong way, we try to remind ourselves to be conscious about choosing the right way. It is an affliction that every human being has to deal with. The greatest church fathers oftentimes talk about their own inner struggles. Some of the greatest authors in the history of Christendom talk about their own struggles. Leaders of churches, men and women, oftentimes talk about their own struggles, even in the position they are in. Years ago, I went to an event at a church in Dallas. It was an ecumenical event. There were 2,000 pastors at this event from all different denominations. And we were told to go by our bishop because the event was about clergy infidelity. So we had to go, we had to sign in and prove that we attended the event. And I always wondered why when the event started would the host pastor not be present to welcome everybody? And throughout the day they talked about the ways in which clergy have to be very careful because it's easy to fall prey. And they said the two primary reasons why clergy fall prey to inappropriate relationships in the church is first of all, their spiritual life is not what it ought to be. They may get ready for a sermon or a Bible study, but their daily spiritual life is not what it ought to be. And secondly, every one of the clergy that they interviewed who had found herself or himself in a compromising position admitted that at one time in life they thought they were too faithful. They would never do that. They love their respective spouse too much. They love Jesus too much. And they said to us, the moment you think you've got it all together is the weakest moment of your life. Isn't that what Paul's saying? I'm messed up, and I know it. And I want you to know you're messed up too. We've got to be aware of it. We've got to be aware of the war raging in us and be keenly aware of what can happen if we give in. At the end of the event... The host pastor finally showed up and offered the obligatory prayer. I thought, well, it's interesting that the host pastor of this big event wouldn't be there the whole day, this event about clergy infidelity. The next week, he resigned from his church because of an inappropriate relationship with somebody in the congregation. Now I know why he wasn't there. And it's real easy for us to say, you know, what a jerk. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't make a mistake like that. And Paul says, there is a war raging within all of us. And there is the capacity to be someone other than who we ever want to be. It may not be infidelity with regard to an inappropriate relationship with another human being, but it certainly would be infidelity with regard to the relationship we have with God in whatever form that sin presents itself. But the good news for us 
is that we can be rescued by Jesus Christ himself, says Paul. There's a wonderful story in the Old Testament. Jonathan and David, King David, were best friends. Jonathan had a son by the name of Mephibosheth. When Mephibosheth was a little boy, his nanny dropped him, and he was crippled in both of his legs. Years go by, Jonathan eventually dies in battle, and David is heartbroken. Now David is king, and one day David asks, is there anybody left from the house of Jonathan? And someone says, oh, there's Mephibosheth, his son. But you know Mephibosheth. I mean, he's literally broken. He's crippled. And David says, bring him to me. And David says to Mephibosheth, you're going to eat at the king's table every meal. And Mephibosheth says, why would you invite me? Nothing but a dead dog. He refers to himself as a dead dog. Why would you invite me, nothing but a dead dog, to eat with you, the king? Mephibosheth felt so bad about who he was as a human being, not just because of his condition, but who he was as a person. We don't know what he was as a person, but evidently it wasn't good. He was broken. He was filled with shame and regret and remorse. And the king says, from now on, you're going to eat at my table every meal. The king invites a broken one to the table. The king of all kings invites those of us who are broken to the table. We can say, Jesus, why would you invite me, a dead dog like me? And Jesus says, because I love you that much. In fact, I love you so much, even though you mess up, I'm going to give my body and even my blood for you so that you will always remember who I am and who you are. So we, like Paul, remind ourselves to be keenly aware, to know we have the capacity to be someone other than who God would have us to be, but to fight hard in the name of Jesus to be who God would have us to be instead. And to remember whether we succeed or fail, the king has invited us to always sit at his table and feast. Hallelujah. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Most gracious and loving God, today we pray your blessings upon this Labor Day weekend of rest and renewal as we honor the contribution workers have made to the United States of America, and as we celebrate the unofficial end of summertime. Hear our prayers for those who labor daily to provide for their families and the community. And hear our prayers for those who have served and retired from many years of work. May they continue to enjoy the fruits of their labor. We also pray for all seeking gainful employment. Bless them in their endeavors. 
Hear our prayers for all experiencing grief and loss this day, and we extend our Christian sympathy to the family and friends of Dee Evans in her recent death. Hear our prayers for all who are ill or recently hospitalized, including Maggie Schneider, Rebecca Rather, Thomas Hines, Jack Myers, Nancy Tolan, and Diane Rogers. And we rejoice this day in the baptism of Jack Thomas Bazil, child of J.R. and Jamie Bazil. Gracious God, we give thanks for our new members, Nicholas Abernathy, Whit, Emily, Elizabeth, and Caroline Kilgrove. Eternal God, we pray for Jackson, Mississippi, and for clean water to be restored. Reveal to us what it means to be our sisters and our brothers' keepers, and grant us courage to pay the cost of being advocates for human rights. May the gospel of Christ continue to bring hope to those who are grieving, fighting illness, victims of violent crime, the homebound, those in nursing homes and hospitals. Continue to make us faithful witnesses. Amen. As we prepare today to receive our tithes and our, and our offering, we're thankful for each of you. Because you give each week, we offer over 15 uh, classes for adults of all ages and stages of life. We also offer stimulating Sunday school experiences for children and our new uh, service Sunday school model for youth. We've started new classes such as the Cheers class for young adults and Crossroads, an intergenerational Sunday school class starting September 18th. And all of this is made possible because you give. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to present our gifts to you for the building of your kingdom. Amen.
be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. be seated. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, for this is my body, which is given for you. Likewise, after supper, our Lord Jesus took the cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you will in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we pro proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one in ministry with each other to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. confidence of children of God, let us pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Today we will receive communion through intention. As the ushers direct you, we ask that you come forward with your hands folded and open, ready to receive the bread, which you will then lightly dip in the cup. We have four stations. Two stations in the center will be bread and cup. The two outer stations will be gluten-free wafers and individual cups. 
Our communion is open to everyone, members and non-members. The table has been prepared and God's gift has been freely given. You are invited to come.
Thank you again for worshiping with us today at Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. We invite you to visit our website to let us know you were a part of our viewing community today or to learn more about how you can get involved in our ongoing mission to love God, love neighbor, and change the world.